going to be talking to Dr. Carolyn Funk, who's a partner at Blue Bear Capital LLC about investment trends in the battery industry. So welcome to the interview, Carolyn. Thanks for having me, Markham. Now, you call yourself an energy transition evangelist, and as uh, someone, a journalist who does a lot of work and uh, reporting uh, about the energy transition, I'm curious what you mean by that. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I spent my whole career working on energy transition, stretching multiple different um, um, job types in from energy, um, from research to R&D and to uh, policy. And now um, on, the, I'm on the investment side, I worked on the corporate side and, and startups. Um, so really I'm trying to figure, figure out along the way how energy transition can be driven forward in the most meaningful way. Um, and I'm now on the investment side because I think directing capital into the smartest and honestly most lucrative parts of that energy transition will just speed up the process a lot. So that's why I think is, uh, I, I use this term. I'm kind of curious, before we get into batteries, um, I'd like to get your opinion on this. Uh, I often say that, you know, 30 years ago, policy and subsidies, that sort of thing, were necessary to kind of prime the pump, the energy transition pump, as it were. But now all of these technologies are becoming so cost effective and competitive in the marketplace that renewables, batteries, electric vehicles, this kind of, they, they really are drive, capital and markets are driving uh, the, the transition more than policy. I just want your take on that, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. And actually, that's one reason why I moved to the Bay Area over from Berlin 10 years ago, um, because policy was going very slow. And there's, there's a lot of already then opportunity to drive the markets forward through product innovation, research, and, um, and just cost curve um, driving down and such. So um, in, especially in the battery space, I think that we shouldn't overlook that um, there is still a need for um, regulation to support the adoption. Um, and we see that um, here in California with EV adoption being, I think, still at the forefront across the globe um, just because of, of the requirements and in emission standards that we have here. Um, the same being with um, emissions on the grid. Um, so I think everything goes hand in hand. Um, we, we have to have the technologies available at the right price. Um, but we also have to educate our regulators um, to say, hey, this is available and now you can make use of it. Another example um, could, could be just um, the drivers behind kind of more sustainable supply chains, um, carbon emission standards and tracking. So I think um, I wouldn't dismiss um, the regulatory space as quickly. Um, and uh, but yeah, but I think we can we can do a lot through consumer education and uh, and just great technologies driving the costs even lower. Well, let's talk about batteries. Where is the smart money going in the battery sector these days? <laughs> That's a very broad question. So I think um, from my perspective, there is 
there are two big drivers in the battery sectors in terms of volumes of batteries that are being um, deployed across the globe. Um, one is obviously in the electric vehicle infrastructure and electric vehicle space in general. Um, and with electric vehicles, I don't just mean passenger vehicles like cars, like Teslas and, and Nissans and um, VWs everybody's talking about, but think about buses, think about construction equipment, ferries, like all kinds of, all kinds of um, vehicles that today still mostly move around using fossil fuels and can be electrified. And then there, and then there is the, the stationary battery part um, where, where a lot of growth is happening um, both on um, grid kind of tied batteries um, on the utility side, um, plus also residential batteries um, for um, different, different use cases. Um, and then there are a ton of other applications in other sectors, thinking about robotics and drones um, and, um, and satellites, things like that. Um, but I think the first two are the major ones where we see a lot of money going um, and a lot of product adoption. Uh, there's a, a lot of um, uh, investment these days in uh, uh, grid scale, utility scale, uh, battery systems and often paired with uh, with solar uh, is what is the investment community thinking about that or is that some uh, an area that's exciting for them yeah I think um, it's 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 very exciting um, I think it really depends on the market structure um, so there are um, there are different market incentives to to that and I would say that um, especially in some more unregulated markets like Texas, or uh, for example, in the UK, there are some really good business models for those types of batteries. Um, they compete with other, other systems, not just other energy storage systems, but other systems that use energy. Um, I mean, just mentioning, for example, like Bitcoin miners, um, might be able to use electricity while it's um, it's cheap in the grid and in a very lucrative way. Um, so yeah, it really it, it really depends on the market structure and the market design. And is that one of the reasons why uh, uh, California is is putting adding so much uh, battery storage uh, to their grid because uh, of their I mean they have the policy framework that they want to encourage. Uh, growth in renewables, uh, but they also have a market structure for their uh, for their uh, generation and uh, transmission. And uh, does that help in terms of the uh, rate of adoption for battery systems? Well, I think a lot is driven in California around um, the general um, decarbonization of the grid. So trying to get less um, fossil fuels into the grid, which, which is driven by wind and solar. That's, that's what we mostly have here. There's, there's some hydro, um, we're again, and still in a drought in California. So that's, um, that's just what is available. 
and um, the intermittency of wind and solar, um, and especially the very quick increase of these renewable resources require some kind of some kind of buffer. And um, honestly, the, the the low hanging fruit at this point, um, and it's funny because ten years ago nobody would have called that a low hanging fruit or or batteries. Um, and so I think that's that's more the driver um, rather than specific, like it specifically being very lucrative here. There are markets where deploying energy storage is actually more more lucrative from an investment perspective, like I mentioned in Texas. Um, but to to add to that, um, we also um, have a shortage on, or there's an there's a shortage on energy supply in California. Um, so we can import more or we can um, use some of the terawatt hours of um, curtailed solar energy in storage and make that usable at different times of the day. Now, what about uh, battery uh, research? Are, are, are there any exciting developments coming on the research side that, that might improve energy density or longevity or safety, those sorts of things? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we've spent a lot of money already in, in battery research and it's gotten, gotten us very far. Um, I think um, that on the material side, there's still a lot to explore. Um, I think that on the um, just like solid state, different types of chemistries, different different type of batteries. Um, it's I think like we'll we'll see a lot of lot of development going forward. Um, but actually, being an energy transi transition evangelist. Um, the, the IPCC tells us that we have eight years um, to really make this transition happen. So I'm actually more excited than what's coming down the research pike um, about the stuff we already have and the improvements that we can get to through improvements in manufacturing, in supply chain, in product development, and um, actually in educating customers on well, this is actually, this is how you use an electric vehicle. This is how you fuel an electric vehicle um, versus, um, versus kind of hoping for the Holy Grail coming, coming in the next 15 or 20 years. What's private capital's role in all of that, uh, Carolyn? Uh, you know, where is, where uh, does that uh, private money have to go to have the, the most benefit? in terms of uh, helping us get to the targets we need to by 2030? Well, I'd, I'd say like, I mean, there, there are two, the two different sides, one on the public market, we've seen some battery companies or companies that build products based on batteries become very lucrative over the last year. Um, so, I mean, of course the, the Tesla example has kind of stirred up the whole automotive industry and um, the Rivian going public and the valuation that was higher at v than VW kind of also got people to kind of scratching their heads. And now um, Volvo spinning out Polestar as a standalone entity. I think on the public side, there's a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of interest 
in um, investing in these these types of companies just because people are understanding that 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 is the future and i think that just drives change um, because yeah with with those examples um, you might be able to get a higher market cap if you improve on your uh, on your electrification strategy then on the other hand you have you have the private markets um, and which we are part of as um, as a venture capital investor um, and for us and for our friends in the kind of private equity space it's it's really interesting to figure out what are the new business models that we can invest in um, what are the new energy assets that people can invest in that will be lucrative in the future so think about like electric vehicle charging infrastructure which is a great asset um, we still have to figure out some of the business models on fast charging um, and and how people can kind of make money at these locations um, but putting putting pot, copper and batteries um, in the ground so to say at the location is um, i see a lot of interest of funds in into those in those spaces um, for me Personally, we, we focus a bit more on the software side. Um, so battery management, battery optimization, using AI and machine learning to deploy these assets in the field in, in, the, in the best way and kind of selling the shovels and the gold rush um, to those people who are, who are deploying um, the hardware in the fields. That's, that's an area I'm, I'm personally really excited about. Is there enough capital available to do what needs to be done in the United States? I, I remember uh, during the campaign of 2020, uh, President Biden talking about how the U.S. had been overtaken by China and he was going to put in place policies that would get put uh, America back in the driver's seat, I think is the way he, he put it by 2030. And is there enough uh, capital interested in, in, the, in those industries, in the battery industry to get the job done? Huh. Yeah, um, if I if I knew that, I, I would say um, that um, no, there's not. Um, is the short answer because um, we need a lot of infrastructure build out, and the infrastructure package that has been discussed and part of it um, approved um, is is going in the right direction. Because what what the big problem that we have in the energy sector is that we have this aging electricity grid um, that is basically designed um, on the, the needs um, from 70, 80 years ago. Um, now we have these bi-directional forces on the grid. Um, we're prosumers. Um, I'm generating solar right now, feeding that back into the grid and into my home battery. Um, somebody has to deal with all that kind of load shifting and such. So the grid is just not designed for where we are today. Um, and we need investments in, in, in that um, space. Uh, and, and that is going really slowly. I think what just came out of the, um, the, the Biden administration and um, um, White House yesterday is an announcement to invest on domestic critical min minerals and the supply chain for that. Um, I think that's that's an area where we haven't seen enough investment in 
um, let's say the, the the Western Western world um, to really figure out how to get to these minerals um, that we need for for, for that energy transition um, and and or <laughs> other types of materials that could replace these minerals. Well, let's talk about critical minerals uh, for a while. I, I'm interested in this because as a, uh, I'm located in Canada and the United States has shown a lot of interest. We've had some high level meetings between the uh, Biden administration and, and the Canadian government about building out the critical mineral industry here in Canada. Apparently we have the deposits and we have uh, you know, a fairly uh, large mining industry. And I, I think they see the, the two countries coming together to build that supply chain of, of, uh, for, to provide the critical minerals uh, for the battery plants. Uh, what's your take on that from a, an investor's point of view? Yeah, I think, I mean, we're spending a lot of time looking at innovation in, um, in the mining space um, making mines more energy efficient, make mines more sustainable, but also um, on the exploration side, um, just using more of the, let's call it the 21st century technologies like, um, like IoT, machine learning, AI, um, satellite data, things, drone data, things that we might not had, have had available um, just, just a couple of years ago. Um, and I think there can be a, a lot done through technology. Um, we have lots of, um, for example, silicon um, resources in, in, in California and the Western United States. Um, we would just have to figure out how to um, how, how to make them accessible. Same, yeah, same, same with those critical minerals in, in, in Canada. And one thing I would love um, to ask the audience is, um, this is still early stages of that battery um, industry. We will find replacements for some of these minerals. Please don't think that we can just simply multiply the use of um, rare earth materials as we need them today in battery manufacturing and just multiply that over the future. Um, we're going to make lots of improvements um, based on new research, but also markets and pricing. Um, so this is, this is like the first um, combustion engines that were developed in the, I don't know, 1920s. They were not as efficient and not as streamlined in their production as they are today. Well, let's talk about battery recycling. That would seem to be a source of uh, critical minerals. And uh, as an investor, are you looking at uh, battery cycling and the uh, the circular economy? Uh, totally, totally. Actually, in all our investments, we look at um, we look at the environmental, social, and governance impacts and track those. So we would really we're doing really. The, the research before making any investments, what's what's the impact of um, of those companies, but specifically in battery recycling and battery reuse, um, meaning that we don't have to take the batteries apart to their bare bones, um, and then um, and and then getting to the bare uh, bare minerals and materials um, for a secondary application. I think there there there's a lot of um, lot of opportunity there. There's also a lot of opportunity through software and data to make this process much more streamlined um, rather than 
kind of getting kind of a black box from from an automotive OEM and saying here here's a battery um, take it apart um, really getting the data that has been tracked throughout the life cycle of the battery from kind of the first manufacturing all the way to the end of first life will inform the recycling or reuse industry so much. So I'd actually ask for any regulators, could we please make this data available across kind of the life cycle of a battery? Because we could save a lot of resources by just having that. If I understand you correctly, having uh, battery data and uh, being able to manage that uh, could extend the life of the battery? Well, it could extend the life of the battery and it could inform the second use case of the battery. Um, because it's it's different if the battery has been in operation in kind of your area where it might be a lot colder, big, bigger temperature differences um, versus where, where I am, where it's probably more kind of Kind of stable and so really understanding what has the battery endured throughout its lifetime um, can get it easily into into a secondary application or can just say well that battery is probably not useful for anything anymore let's take it apart uh, uh last question uh, carolyn what about uh and you mentioned you know that the we're in the early stages of uh developing uh, batteries and what about uh designs like iron lithium iron phosphate that uh, really don't have any critical minerals in them will we see more designs like that yeah totally and we will see more kind of nanomaterials and other like um non non critical mineral based um, materials developing for sure. Great. Well, Carolyn, thank you very much. It's been very enlightening. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Markham. Great to be with you.